There is a lot of shit going on here, people. The cage conspiracy is getting out of control. Sir, what if the writer is attempting to create a story where nothing much happens, where people don't change, they don't have any epiphanies, they struggle and are frustrated and nothing is resolved? More reflection of the real world. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Uncaged. I'm myself, Ben Pollard, and my good friend Dan Fisher watch and discuss the Nicolas Cage film every day for 100 days. And today we watch 2002's Adaption. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Adaption? It's Adaption. Yeah, it was. It was Adaption from 2002. A very clever title, which I understood exactly halfway through the movie and audibly <laughs> said, Ah. Love when that happens. Which bit of it? At what point did you did the penny drop? Once a character said the name of the film out loud, because <laughs> I'm not that bright. It turns out <laughs> it's weird because we we read the synopsis and in hindsight, it's very clear why it's called adaption. Yeah, uh, the whole premise of this film is Nick Cage's character being a screenwriter making a, a film adaption of a book. Mm-hmm. I didn't clock it at all it flew until, until, until like, over my head, quite a way into his film, and I was just like. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he's adapting. And then like 10 minutes later, I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> what am I doing? I know, but listen, we're all friends here. If we can't be honest with, you, with each other through all this, then who can we be honest with, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, do you want to talk about the film? It would be really useful if we did, in honesty. I feel like we've got a track record for not talking about the film at this point. <laughs> I should have said, should we try talk about the film? Let's let's attempt. Let's see if we can get through an entire synopsis for once. Okay. Let's uh, let's see if we can actually make it to the end of the plot before jumping in with uh, harsh criticisms and uh, and negative feedback as we've been doing. Uh, this is this is another soft reboot. Where we're going to try and be. Try and be better to Nick. 5.0, baby. Oh, yeah, we're up to <laughs> version so, 5. <laughs> would you like the synopsis on as we see on screen, or would you like the true synopsis? Let's just let's just explain what this film is what, what we and, see. And, and what happened, and then how it adapts. <laughs> hey. Very good. Um, right? I'd, I'd love to hear you... St- you start, and then I'll try filling gaps. Oh. It sounds like you're a bit of a sleepy boy. Oh, great! So you're gonna you're gonna just go. You, you, what you've done there is you've pointed out my flaw, and then just made me deal with it. And I've set me up to just sit here and go, no, nope, yeah, wrong, oh, incorrect. Great. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> fuck you, Ben. <laughs> uh, where, where where do you want me to start on this? Let's talk about Nick Cage's character. The characters. Ah, I got so thrown off by this. Like, I, I lost very, my very, mind. Very tired going into this. <laughs> and uh, so Nicholas Cage plays Charlie Kaufman, but also his brother Donald Kaufman. Oh yeah. Who I was fairly certain. Chaz and Donnie. I was fairly certain Donald was being played by Nicholas Cage, and Charlie Kaufman was Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh my god! Quite, quite a while in the scenes when they were together. <laughs> he looked like Seinfeld and George Costanza's love child. Yeah, and I just, I just, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me again. I was very, very tired going into this. It's been a really long day, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I just, I just didn't clock it. Just and that completely blew my mind. About like twenty minutes into the film, and I was like. <laughs> They're both cage. <laughs> Fuck me. And I was like, I'm going to have to start this film again. I didn't. But yeah, but it, so the first 20 wild. minutes for me were very kind of like, what on earth is going on? Um, okay, so 
Charlie Kaufman is a screenwriter. Uh, for some reason, I'm not sure if it went into it. If it did, I missed it. But his brother Donald has moved in with him, uh, having no job and kind of kind of living off of Charlie's uh, success as a screenwriter. At which point, he decides he's going to also become a screenwriter. Brilliant. Yes. The majority of this film just plays off between the differences and somehow subtle similarities between the two um, brothers about how uh, Charlie's this really introverted, shy, uh, kind of, uh, you know, he's, he's just, I'm trying to think of the right word. That, um, They've got a very yin-yang relationship. Yeah. Where, and it, it was so, like, it. Cage does such a good job of one man playing siblings, twin siblings, no less. I thought it was great that these characters really, they have this friction and so much goes unsaid and presumably when they shot it he wasn't really he might be played off against someone but not in the same way not a live performance of someone interacting the same way and yeah I, th- I thought he did a, such a, such an interesting job with it because one of these characters Charlie who I suppose is our main character really he is he's really down in the dumps and he doesn't really know what he's doing first time we see him we see about it's an immediate fourth wall break and this film cues up so many that the first time we see him we are behind the scenes on the brilliant film being john malkovich so already malkovich is back in the scene except this time he's playing himself cage's character is credited charlie kaufman that's his name he's credited as being the screenwriter for being John Malkovich in this. So I think he is in a position where he's just wrote this brilliant film and everyone's loving him and everyone's trying to throw work at him, but he is this sort of struggling artist and he really wants to make yeah. the right he's, thing and he's not trying just to anything. pick something that's a bit more arty than just your generic kind of film. And he finds it in a book. Uh, what was the book? It was The Orchids... Oh, how have I lost this already? The Orchid Thief? Was that the one? That's right. I'm going to say it is. Yeah. And, and if you say it enough, it's true. Yeah. So, yeah, that. he... He uh, gets this book, The Orchid Burglar, and yep. decides he's gonna. This is the film that he wants to make. He's going to turn it, and it's a essentially a book that doesn't. And I think what, it, what he says, what it, what it appeals to him with, is the fact that it doesn't have all of these things that films kind of uh, attribute to real life that hasn't actually happened to him. So, like these kind of, uh, like you know, the love stories, the kind of the action or anything like that. It is very simply a book about what it is. There's no side quests if you know what i mean yeah perfectly put it i'm just really fucking tired ben what I'm... <laughs> no you're, you're doing great baby um I, I've, could... I've just referred to something in a film as a side quest mate <laughs> i mean i think b plot is the the <laughs> media term for it but i knew what you meant so go with it man i got you oh god i don't know how i've got to this point conversely from this uh donald or donny as i'm gonna chas oh donald, yeah Donnie, he just wants to make, he wants to write a big over-the-top Hollywood blockbuster and all throughout the film we hear little bits he's adding in here and there about what he's bringing to his film and they're all things that are for an artist such as Chaz, they're all very eye-roll worthy all throughout it but he sees the success his brother's having, he goes out with the Maggie Gyllenhaal who I've had a crush on since I was about nine, very jealous and yeah it's all just falling into place for him and that just feeds into Chaz's cynicism all throughout this yeah and it's it's just one of those very uh, kind of infuriating things like that for one there's obviously that sibling rivalry but then there's the other side of the fact that this guy's kind of come in taken over uh 
Charlie's kind of profession and his life's work and is somehow without putting the work in managing to find success in it at a time where Charlie's completely stuck and unsure what to do going back to what you were saying about Donald uh, repeatedly kind of asking Charlie for pointers and things like that I have prepared a little round of Quizzler's Cage for you Ben oh lovely okay I wouldn't expect any other preparation from this this is as far (laughs) as we go (laughs) after this the wheels come off (laughs) so at one point Donald is asking Charlie for some tips on how to write uh, in a good serial killer into into one of his screenplays that's got oh, like yeah. an interesting backstory. And I was hoping you could either give me a brief description of Charlie's kind of sarcastic idea or even better, for the full points, give me the name that Charlie gives to this serial killer. Oh, I couldn't do the latter. I know he essentially says that serial killers and multiple personality disorders are the most played out thing in any script writing. Is that in the ballpark of the answer? I mean, you're, you're correct in that that is said, but that's not what, that's not any of the answers, no. Okay, can I get the question again? I guess I didn't understand. So essentially when he... Oh, it's what, what we're after here, Ben, is another oh. three hours sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make this as hard for you as it is for me look Ben we're 41 days into this I don't care about the quality anymore (laughs) I'm just I'm so tired both with myself and at Nick (laughs) and by extension I'd imagine me that's not quite got there yet but we'll see how we go in the next kind of 15 minutes there's still time yeah, you know, uh, it's always always time. I unfortunately, I, I'm sure as soon as you say it, I'll go. Oh yeah, but right. Well, at this let moment. me quickly let me quickly rephrase the question. Okay, yeah. See if I can make it a bit more clear. So what we're after here is when he describes. Obviously, he describes exactly as you put what he thinks about serial killers and split personalities and things like that. But he describes the traits of a serial killer, like oh, a, an individual right. one that he thinks could uh, be worked in. It's a very kind of sarcastic answer that he says afterwards. And he also names the serial killer. Oh, uh, no. It's like the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. I was too... I was like very bogged down and, well, to use your phrase, the side quest of this whole thing and what a lot of it meant that a lot of the details which I should have actually took note of just uh, kind of bounced off me I'm afraid I don't know the answer oh, well, the answer I'll, I'll just give you the um, the name which he gives him and that's the deconstructionist oh right and it was some sort of um, I hadn't actually written down the rest which is a good job you didn't go for it but from what, <laughs> I could have said what, anything from, yeah you really could have done um, <laughs> from what I remember he was some sort of university professor who chops people into little bits whilst they're still alive. oh yeah, no, I, I didn't. That bit bounced off. Maybe me, I, I could. I also could have made that up. That could have been part. I really. I, I. I don't know. I feel like this is worth getting into today because this is clearly a good film, a very, very good film. I and really I enjoyed it. Have not taken in any of it, Ben. I know. It's such a shame. This is directly up your street. I know. I, I was so angry at myself the entire way through this, but I'm just. Do you remember? Um, did you remember four days into this podcast when we first had our first kind of lapse of excitement? The blip. Yeah. The blip. Yeah. This is I, I feel like this is the first day that it's felt serious that I just don't 
I, I was just watching this, just go, why can't I just watch this and enjoy it when I want? <laughs> why why have I got to do this on... And then I was, I was trying to justify it. I was like, so we've got to do it on Nick's time. No, we're not doing this for anything, Ben. <laughs> oh, no, you can't be no like that. No one's making listen, us do this. Listen, I'm feeling really good right now, and I don't need you poo-pooing that and raining on my parade. No, I had a really you. good you're, time you're, watching you're this You're in the film. trenches with me, Ben. <laughs> Look, man, I've got, to, I've got to raise you up here. If you could perform the Westlife on me right now, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Get out of that stall, buddy. I am I'm really struggling with this at the moment. Like I said, like this is on paper everything that I would love. I, I was so excited going into this, and the moment I put it on, I just sat there, and I feel like a lot of it has just passed... You know when people have that expression when they say it's gone in one ear and out the other? Yeah. Is, is there a version of that with your eyes? <laughs> your eyes were set to mirror. It just bounced yeah, just, off them. I, 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 I watched it. And, and yeah, I, I know that I've seen it. And I'm looking at pictures going, I've watched this. But I, I just couldn't... I, I don't know. I think, I think I'm struggling at the moment with, um, with the weather and a lack of sleep. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not Cage's fault. Well, why don't... In that case, Dan, I can recount the the story of the film as I saw it for your enjoyment. And there's a I broke it up into chunks so we can sort of go through each bit here. And there might be some nice bits you remember along the way. How does that sound? That sounds great. But can I get some water first? Yeah, of course. And I might need to too because I have wrote one and a half pages. I'll be I'll be twenty seconds because I honestly feel like I'm gonna I, I feel like I'm gonna pass out, Ben. Oh no! <laughs> All right, I'll see you in a sec. <laughs> That's exactly what I want to hear when you come and sit down. Oh, hey, mate, I'm back. You doing all right? Um, not really. Oh no. Uh, we got. Uh, I think we got a plot twist here. Where I don't think I'm just tired. Uh, I've just tried to have a bit of water and then almost just threw up in my mouth. Oh no. That's well, not... I don't think. I don't think I'm very well, Ben. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, are you really going to stay up late tonight? I, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to stay up through this podcast, to be honest with you, mate. Oh, God. I've got the sweats back again. I've got this morning sweats back again. This is like oh, Sweat God. 8 now. Sweat 8 sounds like a sick band from the 90s. <laughs> well, listen, man, if you're, you're poor... I, I feel like you're going to be carrying us both through this, mate. And, hope, and hopefully this isn't something that lasts. Hopefully I can sleep this off. I've, uh, I've come very prepared here insofar as I've... I got very excited by this film, uh, knowing Nick like I do, and I've ended up writing about a page and a half of what actually happens in this film, which... Uh, okay, excellent. I'd love to read for you. Yeah, I would love to know what happened in this film. So, Daniel, why don't you just make yourself comfy, <laughs> pop your feet up, even shut your eyes for a bit. Why not? Get swept away. No, I'm not going to shut my eyes, mate. I, I feel pretty close to the edge right now. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I won't lie to you. I've taken my T-shirt off. I'm just sat here. <laughs> <laughs> just I'll take mine off in solidarity. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Here we go. <laughs> Much better. This is... Oh, God. I can see... I just, my, my screen just went to screensaver and I saw a reflection of myself and now I think I'll be sick again. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> oh. I told you, leaving the house is a bad idea. It's a dangerous thing walking out your front door. Oh, stop it. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? No. Nicholas Cage is unstuck in time. After the destruction of Captain Stereo Girl's time-travelling mandolin, he loses his ability to freely navigate time and the flow of it as he wishes. We knew this already. 
Frustrated, he tries many things along the way to regain his powers and return to his former glory. We've seen him try a bunch of stuff at this point. He's he's meddled with the spirit world. He's tangled with demigods in A Christmas Carol. He's attempted on numerous occasions to train up protégés to wield his rage powers that she used all those years ago to first rip time apart in the first place. But everything he's tried has blown up in his face and failed and the man's losing it he's falling apart and he's flying rapidly through time after eons of being uncontrollably shot through time against his will we visibly see cage start to deteriorate he looks bad in this film he's aging he's bloated he's tired he's balding the opening monologue is him just tearing himself apart and talking about all the things he wished he could do it was actually pretty bleak to hear in this current quarantine situation because i think it's something everyone could relate to where he's talking about all the exercise he should be doing and big ideas he should be living out he is a uh, his body is not designed to deal with this much strain. Uh, there's one point near the beginning of it where he asks himself during this monologue, how did I get here? He might even ask it out loud. And we literally see on the screen a flashback of the last four and a half million years, all of which our man, unstuck in time, has had to bear witness to. No one should see all of that. No one should see the rise and falls of the dinosaurs and Earth come and go in various forms and various creatures and habitat as the prime species it's unknown if it was by luck or by chance or some sort of divine provenance but he wound it up exactly where he needed to be when he needed to be there getting desperate cage does the unthinkable and ends up entering a timeline that he already inhabits in order to meet up with an alternative reality version of himself to try and learn more about the elusive ghost orchid. He believes that this mystical, hard-to-find flower might hold the key through this weird strain of weed that it creates that you snort up your nose and it allows you to see time differently. <laughs> Is this the final piece of the puzzle? Who knows? The covert operation he's undergoing leads him to the one man who knows where to find the orchid, Joe Exotic Plants, and the one woman who can find him, Meryl Streep. You following me so far? This sound familiar? When you preface this i thought you were actually going to talk me through the, the film this is exactly what i saw on screen <laughs> i don't know what film you were watching oh there's going to be a really great edit that you're going to have to do in the middle of that where um i think the noise gate blocked it to not put you off thankfully but it's going to be on my end of the recording of just me being sick in my mouth i thought i heard that <laughs> really sorry oh it's okay i'll try to fly through the rest of the story so you can go <laughs> hug a toilet no it's, it's all right i've got nothing in me so it's, it's good listen the mission is risky and all manner of obstacles pave the way first of all top of the list cage meets but can't stand himself understandably yeah try as he might he can barely stomach the sight of this version of him the rupture in time expands and mutates every single time he does it's getting more and more dangerous Kays tries a series of shortcuts along the way at one point he travels to new york to try and meet meryl streep in person to interrogate her and see if she has any of this crazy space kush but upon meeting her he is frozen solid and unable to move if you're going to mess with time time is going to mess back with you and freeze you in stasis at the crucial moment well i mean what what was the line that he had from christmas carol about about playing with time well that's exactly right see he's learned exactly look what time's done to him and this is literally it. ravished him. He's shackled by his re own regrets. At one point in this, 
Cage literally tries to rewrite that timeline's history. But unfortunately, in doing so, he lands himself inside of an incredibly meta time loop. But fortunately, some of his foresight powers still remain from when he had him as a teen. You know, he's always had this sort of ESP ability knocking around, but he's just learned to control it more over the years. I don't think that is going to go any way. It was laying a little latent. Uh, unfortunately, his own self from that timeline is on standby to pull him out of this time loop he gets himself stuck into. Running out of options and with time fracturing around him more and more every moment that passes, Cage has to take the plunge. He has to learn to accept love and team up with himself in order to obtain some of this space weed and get things right. It's difficult for him to do. Like, he's risking a lot because time is falling apart every time he's with this version of himself he can't stand. But he literally has to, in the most literal sense, confront himself. Okay. Yeah, I, th I think I'm following this. Good. I'm glad someone is. I barely am at this point and I wrote it. <laughs> I love the idea that this could have just been a sequel to Face Off, but where he just duplicates his face and puts it on strangers. <laughs> he knows it's going to take more than just teaming up with himself and getting the space weed at this point, though. He's learned more from being stuck in this time loop that he manages to save himself from. After flying to Florida, tracking down the weed and luring himself, himself, Meryl Streep and Joe Exotic Plants out to the swamp, <laughs> he makes the ultimate <laughs> sacrifice to correct the newly hijacked timeline. Cage kills himself. Not himself himself, his, like, his other, not himself, his, his other self. The one that was already on the timeline that he joined in. He realised that... Ben, you're, you're supposed to be making this easy for me. They both couldn't exist on the same timeline. It was actually more damaging, but it was his only chance of trying to get back. So he has to kill himself, that isn't himself, to... So there's only one cage on the timeline, really. And the moment that... He, he hits himself onto the tarmac, God. Cage instantly gets like a huge boost, this jolt of that sweet, sweet Cage rage energy that he's craved all along. But this man has learned, instead of using it like he's done in the past and exploding and flying off the handle and tearing time asunder again, he decides to quickly go and restitch the fabric of time and bring in an old friend to help him out of his rut at the crucial moment. He's at gunpoint. Exotic Joe Plants is about to shoot him down at Meryl Streep's behest. This is, could be it for a hero, but all of a sudden, who should enter the scene but Crocolus Cage? One of the standout moments for me was Crocolus. I absolutely lost it. And I was it like, was oh, God, unreal. he's going to He travels back in time and to bring our scaled hero, Crocolus, onto this new timeline to save Cage's life as he bites and thrashes Joe Exotic Plants to death before he can pull the trigger. <laughs> Poor Joe Exotic Plants, man. He is just like a casualty of a war he had nothing to do with. I realise we've not mentioned who this person is at any point. Does it matter? It's not that important. This is a story about Nick Cage. There's one thing people need to start remembering is that this is not a film review podcast. Yeah, yeah. I cannot stress that enough. Despite how many times we review a film. The ending of this film, I actually found, I think a lot of people would say it was very upsetting because two of the most likeable characters in the whole thing get killed. But I saw it as a really happy ending because we literally see Cage driving off into the sunset, certain now of who he is and how his own story continues because he's banged a load of that space weed up his nose and he's, he's back on track and he's back to his brilliant best. 
we the film literally ends with him driving off and we see time warping as he disappears into the distance shown on screen by a time lapse of these flowers rapidly blooming and dying and blooming and dying everything is reset cage is back baby there's one thing we do need to talk about here is that they're out searching for the ghost orchid is that correct yeah that's right the ghost rider orchid. is that i say is that some sort of uh catalyst for ghost rider i think so I think at this point, Cage realises what a what a pickle he was in and that he literally owes this crazy space weed he gets out of the ghost orchid. That restores his powers to him. So I think it's inevitable that that is the moment. And also from defeating himself on a different timeline before, he didn't understand that. And who knows, that may have been another version of Cage later down the line who was on their way to becoming the Ghost Rider, having to travel back through a timeline. But that version of Cage defeats him and that's the Cage that we know. There is a lot of shit going on here people and the cage spiracy is getting out of control we have multiple timelines here and we're experiencing them with our cage who i feel like we're going to need a more specific name for at one point later down the line this this is becoming a lot especially coming off the back of a film that i struggled to stay on board with i i'm now i'm completely lost (laughs) i know listen it was tough but uh I, i think i think i know what's going on but I also have no idea what's going on. Basically, in the canon at this point, everything is back to normal and Cage has his powers again. And even without the use of his time-travelling mandolin, he can just hop around now. So he's... Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's great. And it's it's very exciting moving forward because there are limitless options at this point. What what could happen? Well, we know in, um, in 2007's Ghost Rider, at one point after that, he is going to go back to... Um, Oh, which film was it? Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Yes, that's absolutely right. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if we can pinpoint along the timeline because it didn't look like he was full Ghost Rider at that point, but he was definitely close. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was between the Wicker Man and Ghost Rider he makes that trip. Yeah, that kind of does make a bit of sense. It makes total sense to me, as did all of this film and its meta-narrative starring John Malkovich as himself great stuff and that was a lot to take in granted so what i'd like to do is just bring it back to basics right now and hear you please daniel be nice to nikki oh um well uh, there's two of you yeah that's good um you know more more is better it's twice twice to nick twice to fun uh i i think that i it's normally the kind of thing that i hate when you have one actor playing more than one role in a film because oh, and purely because it immediately brings up those nightmare-ish films like The Nutty Professor. <laughs> yeah, like, at what point will he stop? And that's all I can think of. So no, the moment I realised that this wasn't Fat Seinfeld, I was a little <laughs> bit disheartened. Oh, no. But I think with the kind of extremities that Cage brings to a performance, he pulls this off far better than any other actor I've seen do this. Oh, that's yeah, that's fair comment and high praise. Yeah, I, I, I really rate this as, as, as far as his acting goes, and um, yeah, because of course we've seen him play two roles in one film before, Face Off being a prime example of that. But this, he's, yeah, but it's never kind of like one on one. He's acting off against himself in this, and that's yeah, like there are points in this where he has emotional conversations and sheds tears acting against himself, and that must be such a challenging thing to do. Yeah, absolutely, and it, I think it's one of the toughest things to to portray well in a film. I, I very rarely see it done to a point where I think fair play. Uh, and I really did think this is the best I've seen it done. 
Yeah. And I think that that's just because of his unique style of acting where everything is so over the top that you get these two completely contrasting characters, but they're still based around the same subtle kind of undertones of the film. Yeah, I felt that. I think that makes sense. No, no, I felt that. I'm not going to change it or redo it, so do what you will (laughs) with that information. (laughs) I'd like to give a quick shout-out to Meryl Streep, not for her acting ability necessarily in this, but I would just like to empathize with her for a moment this is a new segment you and i (laughs) be nice to meryl (laughs) make meryl's day oh counting streep (laughs) (laughs) you and i have speculated before through seeing it happen to other poor female co-stars that that nick cage has pursued them avidly at one point in this two nick cages are stalking meryl streep and i can think of few things more scary yeah that is a very terrifying thought but do the two would they balance each other out with their no, it's twice as creepy, actually, isn't it? No, because so, you wouldn't stop to ask questions. Yeah, I've, imme- I've, I've immediately gone back on what I was thinking there, and I just think, no, this is bad. Don't do that. I would like to, and it, slightly to, to your point here, there's something that really made me laugh in this, and I, didn't, I did not think the film was going to go down this route, and it did, and it was very funny, is oftentimes in films where there are twins, uh, or as an actor playing the same part, <laughs> at one point I was like, oh, this is what happened to Zack and Cody weird <laughs> how much better do you think this could have been if uh, Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman were actually played by Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito <laughs> I think the real twins uh, yeah I was gonna say I think them being identical might be a little harder to believe I think it would be a doubly good time I, I've already believed it from from the previous film twins so <laughs> have you heard that that's up for a uh, that they're making a sequel oh my gosh really have you heard about this no oh hang, right hang on I, I want to make sure I don't get this completely wrong because it. While really you might. look up the info on that real quick, I just want to uh, be nice to Nikki and say, in films where there are two people playing the same thing, this is a thing that often comes up, and I was convinced they weren't going to do it in this film, but then they do. Is they pull America and Ashley switching goals, where one of them pretends <laughs> to be the other one to go undercover. Sick reference, I know. And I could not believe that they had the audacity to to do that in this. I thought it was so funny. So um. So, Right, I I, want to quickly pull you through on um, what I found out about the sequel to Twins. (laughs) Yes. Because I feel like this is is important. Um, For everything I can see, and this is only rumoured, so nothing has been confirmed, other than the fact they have spoken about it, this is something they're looking to get made. It will be called Triplets. Oh my God, are you joking? (laughs) Who do you think could be the third (laughs) triplet? (laughs) Oh. We've got re- we've got the recurring cast of Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. I would lo- I don't think it is, but I would love to throw out The Rock. That's absolutely right. It's Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no, it's not. You're fucking with me. No. <laughs> oh my god, that's a the trifecta, isn't it? They I cover know. all ground with that. I, I'm very excited if that gets made. I mean, it, everything online points towards the fact that it will be getting made, and I think there's so much hype around it now that they, let's be honest, if there's no one in Hollywood that would turn down being in triplets to be deferred, Surely. yeah, Cage would do that in a heartbeat. I mean, he made G-Force. 
So Cage match, unfortunately, is cancelled today as the Kaufman brothers decided to surprise us with a tag team, and that's not how we fly here on Cage Match. So moving on yet again to tomorrow's Cage Match, we have Acid Yellow. And can you tell me a bit about who he's going to be facing off against, please, Dan? He's going to be up against Roy Walker from Matchstick Men. This is a film that I am actually very excited, as with today's, to see. Oh, so I'm probably mm. have to do a rewatch of today's. Um, maybe a re-rest. Yeah, um, this, is, this is one that came highly recommended recommended from a lot of uh, a lot of friends when they found out we were doing this um, I'll give you the tagline for this a real brief synopsis is a phobic con artist and his protege are on the verge of pulling off a lucrative swindle when the former's teenage daughter arrives unexpectedly okay oh okay okay so we're, sure we're kind I... of Let's We're combining a, a few elements of recent cage here where he's he's playing a con man but also a father possibly so Interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got decent reviews. Um, we're moving into 2003 at this point. Um, the tagline from the poster is just lie, cheat, steal, rinse, repeat. All right. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Can't say fairer than that. Yeah, I mean, he's really just gone all out and just said it, really. So, um, yeah, let's see how that comes out tomorrow. I'm aware that this has been a bit of a, a, bit of a low-energy podcast from a, on my behalf, but I would like to try and try and bring some sort of joy with a returning cage fact well listen man that's very honest of you and i'm very proud of you for sticking it through even if you have been sick in your mouth a few times that's that takes dedication you know it's out of the mouth mate i've got a bit on my shirt and you took your shirt off so that's yeah very I'm, impressive. I'm using that to, to cover my mouth when i'm oh when it's happening God. i've noticed there's, there's a chunk so i'm i'm going from here to what will be my fourth shower of the day oh my word <laughs> <laughs> You're a trooper, man. Don't let anyone ever tell you different. I'm not, I don't feel it right now. All right, let's let's quickly get this done for you. So I found, whilst going through some more Nick Cage interviews, I know that we had a lot of fun talking about Nick Cage's tattoos in the past. Oh, my God. Are you really going to bust this out now? I'm going to give you the most low-enthusiasm Cage fact and hope that you can... <laughs> It's got to be now. There's no other time. I'm going to right, forget man. this otherwise. If you're sure, and listen, you you deserve it. You deserve it. So. <laughs> the pe- the people deserve it, Ben. That's what this <laughs> podcast is about. God, you're such a martyr. I love it. <laughs> oh God, if I, if I laugh, it's going to come out again. Um, <laughs> so, Nick Cage, who was born in the Chinese Year of the Dragon. Uh, decided as part of some sort of personality crisis that he was going <laughs> to use this and got a dragon tattooed across his back. Fucking sick. Admittedly, this doesn't sound like a great fact until I tell you that he later found out he wasn't born in the Chinese year of the dragon. <laughs> and he's actually born in the year of the bunny. <laughs> Which would have made an equally amazing tattoo. Oh my god, Nicholas. I'm going to go have a shower. I'm done. I'm leaving you with that. Thank you for that gift. Daniel, a pleasure as always. Yeah. Nick, leave my friend alone. He doesn't deserve this. And like we say on the show every single day, despite all my rage, I'm still hanging out with Nick Cage. Sleep well, mate. Yeah.